God in human flesh, died for your sins, was raised from the dead, and now lives in you and me. Therefore, we can face anything. Devil, bring it on. Bring it on, because my Lord is stronger. You're a creature, He's the Creator. Knowing Jesus more fully. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. In the book of Matthew, we read, And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Well, through God's Word, the door is open to us, and what it reveals is Jesus. But can we know Him more fully? Here's David with the second part of his message, Who is Jesus? There's one God in three persons, we Christians believe. A mystery, yes, but nevertheless taught in Scripture. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He created the angels to be in fellowship with Him because He loves so deeply. Then He created us on this side of eternity. And He created us, according to Psalm 8, a little less than the angels. Can any of you walk through walls? Uh, Can any of you become invisible? I mean, the angels have more power than us in original intent. And so God put us on this planet, and during that time period, one of the angels, Lucifer, led a rebellion. Lucifer means the angel of light, and he became Satan, the adversary. Why did he rebel against God? Because of pride. Folks, most problems in life are caused by selfish ambition, right? Somebody wants something that you have, and they go after it, right? Well, the evil one wanted Jesus' position, so he led a rebellion. One-third of the angels went with him, and they became the demons. He hates God. He hates what God has created. So he looked at this world that God had created, and God had taken Adam and Eve and given them dominion over everything. Inside dwelt the supernatural power of God. They had dominion over everything. When the enemy tempted them, Adam took the keys to the kingdom. For God's desire was to bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth. That that was his original desire, that heaven would come to earth. Sounds like Jesus' prayer, doesn't it? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring the kingdom to earth. That, That was the design. That was the desire. But Adam handed the keys of authority to Satan. Now he rules this world. In Genesis 3.15, after that happened, there was a prophecy that said, one day a man will come and crush the head of the enemy. But it has to be a man to do that. Why? Because originally the first Adam had given, given that authority. So there has to be a second Adam, a second man, that has, takes away those keys from the enemy. So God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit looked at the condition of this world, all of its brokenness, its cursedness, And the father said to the son, would you go? And that that was the text that Marilyn read earlier. That the second person of the Godhead gladly said, yes, I'll go. He willingly submitted. Submission, folks, is a choice. And the son chose to be birthed in a stable with smelly donkeys and straw surrounding him. And, And the more I look out at you guys, I think when God would want worship on this side of eternity, I wonder if he wouldn't prefer a gym than all the fancy stuff we've put around him in worship. Do you think? In humility, he came to us. Now, it was the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, who conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary, a virgin, a righteous woman. And interestingly, in the Bible, Jesus is called Son of Man and Son of God. Son of man fulfilling a prophecy in Daniel 7 about the coming of the Messiah. Son of God, just always a term that would be used for Messiah. So those two terms were used. Well, what happened when the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus? He's totally God. He's Son of God. Remember we sang that earlier. 
It's about Jesus being son of God. But he's also son of man because the Holy Spirit took Mary's ovum and impregnated her by the power of the Holy Spirit. Somehow, miraculously, the Holy Spirit bypassed her sinful DNA and conceived Jesus in her womb. The name Jesus means Savior because our greatest need is to be forgiven of our sins, right? We don't want to go to hell, do we? Our greatest need is not to go to hell. Our greatest need is the forgiveness of our sins, our alienation from God. So the Holy Spirit creates the perfect God-man in Mary's womb. And why does he have to be a man? Because a man has to live perfectly under the righteous requirements of the law in order to die for us so our sins can be forgiven. So Jesus is birthed, the perfect God-man. And for 33 years, he perfectly obeys every aspect of the righteous requirements of the law. He is the second Adam. He meets the requirements where Adam failed. Adam gave the keys to the kingdom to the evil one. Jesus comes to take those keys back and give them to you and me. That's why he came, folks. He came to defeat the wiles of the enemy. That's why he came. Satan has destroyed so many of you. He's stolen from you. Jesus came to restore to you what's been stolen from you by the enemy. And when he died on that cross, your sins are forgiven. Done. His last words, it is finished. What's finished? The work of salvation is finished. Done. Not do. Done. And then he's raised from the dead. What? According to Romans 1, the resurrection proves he's the son of God. And then, dear friends... Here's the key. When you invite Jesus to live in your heart, you're not only experiencing the forgiveness of your sins, you're experiencing the very resurrection power that raised him from the dead, now living in you. Now, listen to this. In America, we've got churches of 20 to 30,000 people in them. We've got so many throughout our nation that claim to be Christians. Why aren't we making more of an impact? Well, why is the culture continually becoming more denigrated? Why is it getting darker? If we have so many Christians who love Jesus, why isn't there a greater experience of him in the world? Now, remember Jesus said, I am the door? Remember that? He said, I am the door of the sheep. That's how you get in. It is my humble opinion as I've lived this Christian faith for years and have been a pastor in a church for many years, that too many Christians are still living at the door. Dear friends, there's more than the door. There's more than the door. There's more than the door. Jesus wants us to get into the kingdom, but he wants us to move beyond the door. Now, now imagine that the king and queen of England have invited you to come visit them at Buckingham Palace. And you get there and you knock on the door and they say, it's by grace you come in. You didn't deserve the invitation. There's nothing of royalty in you, but by grace I invite you in. And so you walk inside the door and they close the door. You're in. You get to visit Buckingham Palace. But you know what too many Christians are doing? They're just hanging around going, Man, that's a beautiful door. It, I mean, look, look, look at how it's perfectly carved. L look at how 
the bolts fit to, I mean, look at this door. It, it, what an incredible door. And the king is going, hey, um, may I show you the dining room where you can feast? What a great door. Man, could, could, could I show you the bedroom where you can rest in me? Oh, man, what a door. May I show you the film room where I can give you evidence of who I am and all my power and miracles? Oh, man, that, that's the most beautiful door I think I've ever seen in all my life. Folks, we're standing at the door. There's more than the door. There's more than the door. And there are too many Christians in our nation and even around the world who are just admiring the door, and you need to admire the door. He is the door, but there's more than the door. There's so much more he wants to give you. He wants his resurrection life to live in you and through you. He wants to use you to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth just like he did Adam. He wants you to be the instrument he uses to bring other people to the kingdom just like he wanted Adam to do. He wants you to be a miracle-flowing power source for him to other people. He wants you to pray for people and see them healed. He wants to use you to, see, to pray for people and see their lives changed. He wants to use you to flow his resurrection power through you and destroy the works of the enemy. The church needs to understand there's more than the door. So I'm gonna ask you, are you just looking at the door? In your Christian faith, are you just looking at the door? When Jesus has invited you into the living room, the bedroom, the kitchen, into the intimate places of life in him where you can experience abundant life like never before. There's more than the door. It's a couple weeks ago, many of us noted in some horror at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris being burned down. Wasn't that sad? Any of you been there? Numbers of you have. Marilyn and I have been. And we walked around and watched all the architecture and looked at all the paintings. And we were just deeply touched by the number of Christians who had worked so hard for the glory of God to express their gifts in that place. And that's a good thing. Colossians 3.23, Paul says, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. So whatever work you're doing, do it for the glory of God. You may hate your job, but God's got you there for a purpose. Why? Because if he wanted you in another job, he'd be in another job. If he's the sovereign Lord of the universe and lives through you, if he wanted you in another job, he'd be in another job. So you are Jesus' person to flow his resurrection life through you in that place. And so Notre Dame Cathedral had many people through the years who built and did all kinds of incredible paintings for the glory of God. Good for them. But you know what, folks? It's all going to burn. 2 Peter 3.10, it's all going to burn. I don't care how much work you've done, all you have here, all the beauty of it, it's going to burn. And that Notre Dame Cathedral fire showed it to us, didn't it? Just all can go so quickly, can't it? But here's the point I want to make today. Jesus looked at the temple one day, and he said to the religious leaders, tear that temple down, and in three days I'll build it up. It was evidence used against him at his trial to kill him. What do you mean you can build this temple up in three days? Well, that temple had taken 40 years to build, maybe even longer. Notre Dame Cathedral took 40, 100 years to build, maybe longer. And here's what Jesus meant. Destroy anything on this earth that has of no value eternally, but I can take a body, a human body in three days and raise it up. And it is your human body that he desires to indwell in the power of his spirit. You are the temple of God 
You are to be used by him with his glory, his power, his love flowing through you to a hurting and dying world. Notre Dame Cathedral, a billion euros have been pledged to rebuild it. They say it's going to probably take 40 years to rebuild it. But if you give your life to Jesus in a moment, he can build an eternal temple that will never die. And through you, he can use you to change the world. He can use you to change the world. He can use you to change the world. Resurrection, so what? It's not a so what, it's a so that. The resurrection wants to be in you, through you. Jesus wants to live in you. The holy God of this universe, the second person the Godhead, wants to live in you. And what does that mean even more practically? It means the eternal Jesus, the ruler of the world, the one who created everything, now lives on the throne of your heart. And that means if people wrongly accuse you, he's working it for good. If you're going through a job change right now, he's using it for good. If you're going through a crisis with your children, he's using it for good. And you go, man, it hurts like the dickens. And he's going, I know, but sometimes it takes the pain to get the gain. Sometimes... I have to do these things in your life to get you where I want you to be because you're so set in your ways and so comfortable. I've got to stir things up. Did you know the enemy is still alive and well? Do you know he hates you if you love Jesus? Do you know that? He hates you. He wants to destroy you. Now, we always talk in the Christian world about, oh, the devil, I'm so afraid of the devil. You need to know he may be the devil, but he's God's devil. He is a creature. So in Job, the first chapter, Satan looked down and went to God and said, I want permission to sift Job. And I want to do X, Y, Z. And God said, you can do this, but you can't do that. Notice that God said to him, you can't do that. And Job went through the dickens. And what God was doing, I think, was squeezing out his pride, his self-aggrandizement, his self-righteousness. If you read the whole book, that's what he's doing. He's squeezing that out. Then at the end, Job recognizes that God is God. No plan of his can be thwarted. He forgives his friends who betrayed him. And then God blesses him and restores him two times over. God wants to restore to you what the devil has stolen from you, but he uses the devil for his purposes. Peter, the Last Supper, we looked at a couple weeks ago. Jesus said to him, Satan's asked permission to sift you like wheat, and I've granted it. I just keep praying every day, Lord, don't ever hear the enemy say, I want to sift David Chadwick like wheat. <laughs> but he may have recently, may have with you recently. And here's what you can do. Folks, you've got two options. When the enemy is doing it and you believe that God is behind it, your first option is to get bitter, go in a corner and wallow in your despair, curse God, which is what? Job was threatened to do, but he never did. You can become angry, resentful. You can live the rest of your life hating God, going, why? Or you can say, nothing comes to me that hasn't first been permitted by the Jesus who lives on the throne of my heart. And there must be something he's doing for a greater good, and I believe that. So you can wallow in your despair, or you can get up again and believe there's something still yet better for you. Frankly, I choose the latter. I choose the latter. I hope you do. 
Because if you choose the former, if you choose to wallow in your despair, you will be forever bitter. And remember that phrase, bitterness is like drinking arsenic and expecting the other person to die. You're the one who gets hurt, and the person who hurt you probably doesn't even know they hurt you. They've gone on with their life. Or worse yet, they've died and are wherever they are, and they're still hurting you from the grave. Let it go. Why? Because the one who sits on the throne of your heart has given you a resurrection power to believe that all things work together for good. That we are to give thanks in all things. And if you continue to praise God and give thanks to God in your stuff, here's what the enemy does. You mean I did that to you? And you still love and praise and give thanks to the risen Lord? You know what he'll say then? Need to find another person. He won't continue to harass a person who continues to praise, honor, and glorify and give thanks to the risen Lord who lives in our hearts. The resurrection, so what? Would you give him praise for that? So what? So what? Because the second person of the Godhead, Jesus himself, God in human flesh, died for your sins, was raised from the dead, and now lives in you and me. Therefore, we can face anything. Devil, bring it on. Bring it on. Because my Lord is stronger. You're a creature. He's the creator. Bring it on. Because the one I believe in came to set me free. He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ my Lord. I walk with him in the victory parade in heaven. Bring it on, evil one, because I have a risen Savior. Give him praise now. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a discussion about biblical ways we can weather the ups and downs of life. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart? Tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, Thank you, Mark, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry and and more importantly about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he, he forgot something, like a lot of young, young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space, and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? 
The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 980-298-9027. I would encourage folks too to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org and there you can see some of our photo galleries. You can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard Corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, it's great being with you, Jen. Well, in this morning's e-devotion, you wrote a Davidism that gives us great insight on biblical ways that we can weather life's ups and downs. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I can. The actual Davidism, as we affectionately (laughs) call them, is something I've learned through the years. It's basically this. Great highs are often followed by great lows. And here's what I'm trying to say. It's a warning to people just to make them aware of something that has happened to me on several occasions, and I see it in the Bible as well. When you have a great victory and God has done something magnificent in your life, you're often filled with great joy, a sense of overcoming, being more than a conqueror. It's a wonderful feeling. But here's the truth. It's often followed by a great low. Mm. And the examples of that in the Bible are Elijah having done battle with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And there's just Elijah doing warfare against 450 godless prophets, and he wins. God supernaturally intervenes, and he wins. And he comes down off the mountain and immediately hears the words that Queen Jezebel wants him dead by the end of the day. Well, he runs in the opposite direction for hours upon hours and then falls under a broom tree 20, 30 miles away from Mount Carmel, and he's exhausted, and then he says to God, I want to die. Mm. So amazing. He just won this amazing victory on Mount Carmel, but within hours, he's falling on his face before the Lord and wanting to die. Another example of this is Jesus. At his baptism, the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit descends upon him, a kingdom calling upon his life that begins there. He hears the voice of the Father from heaven, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, he hears his daddy in heaven saying, boy, I'm for you, you're doing great. Your first 30 years have gone perfectly. Yay, keep going. And out of that amazing experience after he's baptized by John the Baptist, The Bible tells us he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness where he confronted the devil. So he goes from this great high to this great low immediately. Mm. Here's my point. A, listeners, don't be surprised when that happens. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you expend all your energy for a great victory and you have nothing left and the enemy comes after you. Mm -hmm. But B, realize that God is in control even over those negative situations. That God drove Elijah into the wilderness to encounter him in a deeper, more significant way. Mm -hmm. Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to encounter the enemy and do warfare with him to say to him, you're defeated, guy. Mm -hmm. You're not going to win this battle. So God's in control of even those situations, walk through those deep, dark valleys, and I have found in my life that God does some of his best work in the wilderness. Mm. Like with the children of Israel in the uh, wilderness, like Jesus in the wilderness, God does some of his greatest work when we're just alone with him, have nothing else to hope for except him, Mm. and he meets us at the deepest 
longings of our heart. Wow, this is so good. That'll preach, David. (laughs) That'll preach. That is so good. Thank you so much for these insights today. Well, I wanted all our listeners to know it because I've experienced it. The Bible tells us about it, so don't be surprised when it happens. Just continue to trust the Lord. Even give thanks for those low times, Mm -hmm. for the Lord is working significantly. That's so good. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Jen. And listeners, if you would like to have these daily written Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They'll arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. It's a free gift from my heart to yours to begin your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for a relief of the new strains of COVID. 